Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm just sorry that I let down my community in any way. And um, just right now I'm trying to focus on my family because we've been receiving horrible threats. Um, and I just felt it was time for me to share my truth, which I did and it's now. Every effort to do the right thing throughout this process and I just hope that you all can see that despite the mistakes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. I'm reporting live from True Thompson's uh, Playhouse, and I hope you guys are all hunkering down and doing well. Um, let's start off with some Everyone's Business But Rona, a special section I'm doing in this time of COVID. Things that I can offer you throughout the week that are um, distractions from the new normal that we're living now. Starting with the fact that, first of all, my legs were killing me yesterday and they're not feeling too great today. Why? Because I decided to do Ramona Singer's um, Instagram workout that she did with Avery and her trainer. I gotta say, you guys, I really loved it. It was 30 minutes of abs and buns with the singers and it was great. I'm in pain, but it was great. My legs are begging to go back to the sedentary lifestyle that they've become accustomed to. But, you know, I want to come out of Rona a bad bitch, and I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. Um, so I would highly recommend if you can find like a housewife, an influencer, a blogger, what vlogger, YouTuber, what have you, um, that is going to join forces with their trainers to do some sort of like Zoom or Instagram live um, workout, I highly recommend it. 
it was a lot of fun. Um, you can tip the trainers more often than not. They'll like post their Venmo information. It's really great time and I think a really great source for people who are missing you know going to the gym and doing the classes doing the class pass and what have you um I think it's like a great alternative um and frankly I like to work out alone <laughs> that's really my my judge so you know to to be able to have access to these people in, in this time I think it's like a really really great resource for people who just want to kind of shake it up and you know get a workout some sort of workout routine um I, yeah, like I said, highly recommend it. If I think, um, this is not the first time that Ramona does it. So if you guys, um, you know, she's very into fitness, very into her body, very into looking like Avery being sisters. So if, you know, if you can see her on Instagram, check it closely to see if she's got another upcoming show uh, or, uh, Instagram live workout coming, coming to you. Um, what else? <laughs> I find, listen, I'm a messy bitch who lives for drama this is why I have the podcast. Okay. So don't judge me for the things that I'm about to say. I just want to be honest with you guys. Okay. I'm finding that COVID shaming is really helping me soothe my anxieties. I really love, you know, that we can like digitally grab our pitchforks and, and make people feel bad, particularly people who are wealthy and privileged and are not in positions of, you know, losing their jobs or, um, you know, having these financial issues come about them, you know, they're, they're living their lives. Okay. So let's preface this by saying this, they're rich, everybody's fine. And they're, if they're being stupid, then I think that we should be able to talk about that. So I'm really loving, um, you know, the Twitter threads that are happening, detailing all of these people's missteps and bad behavior in the time of La Rona. Okay. Starting with Kristen Cavallari, we all know her. She's of, you know, Laguna Beach, the Hills, very Cavalry fame. I have not watched very Cavalry. It sounds extremely boring to me, but you know, if she likes it, I love it. The fact that she has a, a company, it's so funny to me, a lifestyle or a jewelry company. I don't really know what it is called Uncommon James. It's like, ugh, ugh. Like it, it's almost like a joke, right? Like every, why, why, where is this wave coming of people who want to incorporate the name James into their, their lifestyle brand, their fashion brand? Like what, when did James become the, the go-to name for, you know, like the upper echelon, you know, coming down and, and giving us the lifestyle, um, that us peasants would, couldn't dare de- deem to dream of. Why did that happen? It started off with Mary Kate and Ashley with Elizabeth and James. And that makes sense because those are her, their siblings names. But after that, I just feel like there's a lot of Jameses, a lot of, um, what what is that? Is there an article? Can somebody point me in the direction of an article that explains why James is such an aspirational name for a woman's lifestyle um, blog? But anyway, so she recently got uh, into a lot of heat for traveling um, to the Bahamas and being there for about uh, three weeks, I think, uh, with her hairdresser bestie husband former bears player husband jay cutler they got stuck on an island in the bahamas but here's where you know a lot of things are questionable did you guys all read there was an article that came out a couple weeks ago in the new york times about a couple who had traveled 
um, decided to travel to the Maldives and this was for their, um, honeymoon, but they ended up getting stuck there and they were the only couple they had gotten, you know, that like five star, you know, live in those glamorous luxury huts that you can like just jump out into the water from your, from your door. If you wanted to, there's all, you know, they're on stilts and whatnot. So this couple decided to stay there. They got stuck there. They're a South African couple and the whole, the entire staff of this resort had to stay there for them because they weren't allowed to leave. And they ended up having to cater to these people for quite a long time before they were able to finally get a flight out. Um, and you know, it was just like really, really shitty elitist privileged behavior. So Kristen and her family kind of are in that same vein. So they, this, um, lady ended up doing a, um, Twitter thread about that. You can find her at Claire C. Downs, um, where, yeah, they got stuck in the Bahamas for 22 days. Stuck, I'm using air quotes here. So she chronicles the fact that, like, uh, Kristen and her family and her hairdresser, Justin, are all based in Nashville. So there was one day where she posted, um, I believe this was on March 21st, she posted um, a picture of her in... No, excuse me. This is March 12th, uh, which is the same day that New York announced that they were in a state of emergency. Kirsten posted a picture of her in New York, you know, carefree living her life, right? So a few days later, she uh, posted a picture of her on a, quote, family spring break with, you know, the whole crew. Um, so this was the day that New York announced that schools and restaurants were closing. You know, obviously we were, um, you know, on a high alert in terms of traveling and exposing people. So the fact that you would go from like Nashville, which I imagine was, you know, had probably little to no cases at that point, um, to New York, which is the hot spot, And then to travel from there to the Bahamas was a really poor choice, right? So, oh my gosh, I thought I wasn't recording. <laughs> okay. So yeah, then they basically were in the Bahamas from that point for three weeks claiming that, okay, so they were there for like over a week until, and that everything in the Bahamas was, you know, fine, relatively speaking. Um, and on March 24th, they decided the Bahamian government closed it, ports for incoming travel and basically saying like, if you are not native to this, if you don't live in the Bahamas, um, you need to leave or you know, um, you're probably going to be here indefinitely. Um, so they made the decision to stay. They're talking about, oh, this is our new normal. You know, they're exercising on the beach. They're, you know, Kristen's posted a picture of her in a thong bikini in the grocery store talking about how only one family's allowed, like just being very careless. You know, the problem with traveling is not only like the fact that you can be asymptomatic or actually have the symptoms unknowingly, you know, potentially exposing people, um, vulnerable people or anybody to this disease. On top of that, it's the fact that you're, you know, these people are traveling to these more remote areas where they don't account for tourists really to be inhabiting their hospitals using their resources especially on an island where you know it, it you know it potentially could have been very difficult for them to get supplies and food and all those things and then you know like 
you're basically, you could end up being patient zero in these places that, that, um, would otherwise have been okay had you not, like, traveled here, there, and everywhere and potentially exposing people. Um, you know, as a side note, there was some, you know, shaming going on because Kristen is a noted anti-vaxxer. She has not vaccinated her children. Obviously, there's no vaccination for coronavirus, but people were, um, Um, thinking like, oh, you know, maybe she didn't want to travel because she didn't want to expose her children, you know, because they don't have their defenses up anyway. Um, so yeah, she got shamed for that. She, they ended up coming back to, uh, the United States, I believe on April 6th. But yeah, I think people found that they, you know, all of it was pretty tone deaf. Um, Justin, the hairdresser, I guess he's like a pretty famous hairdresser. He does uh, Jennifer Aniston and a couple other women. And he was being really kind of, I don't know what the right word for this kind of like, you know, like very, very privileged about it all. Very like just weird and like tone deaf, I guess. Tone deaf is the right word to handle all of these people that I'm about to talk about. Just, um, you know, like posting Instagrams of them on the beach and, and doing these like workouts, doing yoga, and then being like, oh, don't talk to us about what's going on for him to now come back to the America and be like, oh, you know, we had really no idea what was going on in America. And once we find out, found out we were like so horrified. And it's just, I think it just speaks to a privilege of being able to be like ignorant to what's going on around you in order to be kind of like selfish and that is what really rubs it the wrong way with me they're like oh you know once we saw the news we were so horrified about what was happening but it's like these things were happening before you guys left so were you guys really just like digging your head into the sand literally and figuratively or like what's the real what is the truth you know Oprah Winfrey what is the truth um, so moving on from that, I wanted to just, <laughs> don't want to talk about Caroline Calloway. Ugh. You know what? I don't. She was on the docket. I don't want to talk about her. <laughs> so, so we're going to go to, um, Ariel Charnas. Um, you know what? I do want to talk about Caroline. <laughs> Because I haven't, and I, and I, I haven't yet to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, I have very like unresolved feelings for her from about her. Um, honestly, in my opinion, I, okay. So, oh God, I hope, I'm hoping all of you guys have, have a, a cursory knowledge of who Caroline Calloway is. There's a lot that you can go into a lot of, a lot of pockets, but I'll just give you like the briefer here. Basically, Caroline is an Instagram influencer who is based in New York, and she got fame for a couple reasons. The first wave of fame was for being kind of like a, a not leader, um, an innovator, if you want to call it that. I've got a bubble in my throat. Hold on. Okay. She's been kind of an innovator in terms of like the first wave of Instagram influencers. She got fame for, um, you know, she, she's at these elite institutions. She went to Cambridge. She went to NYU. She went to, uh, you know, fancy boarding school and she was in high school, all of that sort of thing. So she got fame kind of for a notoriety for doing these long form Instagram captions, sort of like being very, um, you know, like exposing people to a world 
that they would not otherwise see, right? So she's, you know, going to school in Cambridge. She's got this very wealthy boyfriend. She's traveling here, there, and everywhere in Europe. That landed her a book deal, a very nice book deal for a very young girl. Um, I believe she was like 22 at the time. The book still hasn't come out, by the way. <laughs> um, but she got this book deal kind of like to be able to talk about her life and all these experiences that she had. So the second wave of fame that she got was from um, trying to um, use her influencer status to do these like workshops, these artist workshops, um, me you know, meeting the fans. She got really overwhelmed and basically bit off a lot more than she could chew and you know, what became like, I'm going to be making flower crowns and salads for everybody that attends became, um, she made one flower crown and made everybody wear it and take a picture with the same flower crown, just basically like not offering what she was able to deliver. A lot of people, um, called her a scammer for this. Um, it's worth noting that like, Caroline is very divisive. And by that, I mean, she's kind of like, Cause she's kind of like Taylor Swift in a way, in the sense that like the people who don't like her are going to find every reason, and I believe very valid reasons for not liking her, but her fans are just going to love her regardless of what she does, right? Um, so what became of her kind of like becoming infamous and becoming like a, a sort of scammer, uh, you know, for people who weren't going to fuck with her anyway, um... She then had an article written about her by a former best friend named Natalie. Um, it was written for the cut. You can find it. Her name's Natalie Beach. And she basically details her relationship with Caroline. Um, the crux of the article being that, like, she was the one who was helping her or completely writing these um, Instagram captions that got her her notoriety to begin with and that she helps her write the book proposal um, for the book that she got the deal for. Um, the issue with that being that <laughs> basically, um, it will, okay. The, the other part of that being their relationship, which is basically kind of a, um, not a relationship that everybody can relate to, but I think you either have been in this relationship or you know somebody who's been in a relationship like that of a, you know, a girl who was sort of, Caroline, was sort of this like fly by night kind of like shitty friend for this, that, and the other reason being addiction, just being like, just, you know, a young girl who's like, you know, really full of herself and, and into herself, right? And Natalie being sort of like the victim, and I'm using quotes in that, of that relationship, a lot of people have very strong opinions about it. I think that this is something that happens a lot of times when you guys are in your like late teens, early twenties of you, you know, the girl who seems like she's got all the confidence in the world and like, she's really not maybe a good friend, but on the other side, like Natalie is sort of, you know, you know, she could have like stepped up to the plate. She could have left the situation, but she was so enamored by Caroline that she sort of kind of let, Caroline take advantage of her. Um, and you know, there are a lot of details that go into the article about that. Um, so the point of this being that this article was written six months ago, Caroline decided to, um, uh, she's been talking about writing the rebuttal to this article 
for the past six months. So the first part of the article came out in like two weeks ago and it was, um, listen, you guys don't come for me, please, please do not come for me about Caroline Calloway. I don't have the time and you don't have the time either. We're all better than this. Right. Um, I don't believe her to be a great writer. I believe her writing to be, um, especially because she came from sub elite institutions, I find her writing to be sophomoric. I find it to be, um, on top of that, I, you know, it seems to be heavily influenced from other writers. Like, I feel like when I read her stuff, I have read this all before on like, you know, from an actual published author to like Tumblr to, it, it has like a very formulaic vibe to it. I think that a lot of people, you know, when it comes to influencers, especially on Instagram, you know, we, we've had this conversation a thousand times before that you're looking for people who are aspirational, who appear to be living the life that you would like to live. Um, you know, that Caroline lives in this, you know, apartment in the West village, which, you know, is aspirational for me, (laughs) for, for people, for a lot of people who live in New York, who, you know, the West village is like a very good, neighborhood, the kind of neighborhood that you would love to live in, the kind of neighborhood that you see, you know, on Sex in the City. Um, very expensive, um, you know, and so she's able to portray this sort of lifestyle. But to me, there's a lot of like darkness and I, you know, I just, I just have a lot of conflicted feelings about Caroline. I should also say that I'm not like a scholar on Caroline. I really like, I, I'm, in there like maybe once a month, once every other month, and I'm just checking out what's going on, and then I'm going about my day. My personal opinion on Caroline is that she has an overinflated sense of herself, that she, her biggest problem is that she suffers from high self-esteem. That, <laughs> that I think is, is the issue with, with me, with Caroline. Um, but now parts one and part two of her response to the, to the Natalie article has come out, um, you know, not, not great writing in my opinion. There are points that she made and, and there are things, you know, there are analogies that she made that were nice, but like I've seen, I've seen it all before. With that being said, she came out with part one and I believe it was, she had promised $15,000 or 15,000 words, um, in part one, but I think only either like six or 9,000 words were that first part. So her apology was to post a nude picture of herself on Twitter. This is what I find confusing is that I have to imagine that most of her demographic, most of her followers and supporters are like straight women. So I'm not really sure how that it doesn't quite make sense to me why she would try to distract people with a nude picture of herself when most people probably really don't care what she looks like nude. Um, she has dropped an OnlyFans account, which I think does not have any posts and she's charging $50 a month, which I'm told is, uh, uh, very high for, for a monthly subscription to OnlyFans. Um, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, like sex workers who are using this OnlyFans in times of need and really need the money. And it seems like Caroline does not, um, who are saying, you know, like, please don't use this platform because it really, you know, like floods the market with people who really don't need the money. Um, you know, and, 
you know, like it, it floods the market for people who really do need the money. So where am I going with this? Um, you know, she's also gotten flack for traveling. She, you know, like I said, it's based in New York, but she seems to be in Florida and has been in Florida for a few weeks now. Part of that might be due to the fact that allegedly, well, not even allegedly, this is public record. <laughs> I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter, so I know it's true. Um, but it's public record that she is being evicted from her apartment and she owes like almost $10,000. Um, she recently got flack and sort of in like a Twitter beef with um, the host of the Scam Goddess podcast, Lacey and um, Jamila Jamil. So they did an, uh, a podcast episode about her. Basically, the Scam Goddess podcast, if you guys don't know, um, it every week has a guest and it details like a different scam. So they talked about like Billy McFarlane of Firefest. They talked about um, Anna Delvey and her, you know, like sort of bougie bad bitch scam that she is currently in jail for. Um, so yeah, uh, Caroline happened to be one of the subjects of that Jamila Jamil episode was on, you know what I'm saying? That, that didn't make sense. <laughs> she was the subject of the episode that Jamila Jamil was on. So they were detailing like the fact that she was scamming, um, with the, the influencer, um, tour that she was supposed to go on and didn't. And, uh, so Caroline got wind of this and she got really upset with Jamila and with Lacey claiming that the articles that were used, the sources that they used were, uh, really skewing towards like villainizing, uh, Caroline and, that a lot of things were not factual. I didn't listen to the episode, but I have listened to Scam Goddess before, and she cites all of her sources on her, like, um, info for the episodes. She'll, she'll link to every article. So these are all articles, like, if you had read about the scamming, these are all articles that have been out there. So, you know, she's just reporting what she read, right? And these articles that have been out for months. Um, and so <sighs> Caroline got upset about that. She got upset with Jamila. She got upset with Lacey. Um, I think the irony and the interesting part of that for me was the fact that Jamila is well known for, you know, with, within the internet subset has been the subject of a lot of investigation into her claims about, um, certain sicknesses and illnesses that she's had, um, that she's claimed to have been attacked by a storm of bees that caused her to run into the street and get hit by a car, not once, but twice on two separate occasions. Um, you know, a lot of things that have had inconsistencies, stories that she's told about injuries and sicknesses that she's had, um, over the years that have, come out to either not be true or to be very questionable at the, at the very least. Um, so to have these two people that were kind of noted for being liars sort of come against each other was very interesting to me. It was very much like the Spider-Man meme where they're both pointing at each other and they look the same. Um, she and Lacey, I think are still, they're not still beefing, but I feel, I think Lacey still feels some type of way about Caroline calling her out for having bad sources and, and, yeah, yeah, yada, yada. Um, so that's number two. Number three, I think is maybe my, my favorite one is a lady named Ariel Charnas. Now she is an Instagram influencer. She has a, um, uh, uh, 
I guess, I guess it's an apparel line called something Navy. And she is a, another rich woman from New York who, you know, her husband's like a real estate dude. Like they're wealthy. She's very thin. She's pretty. She's, you know, kind of like hippie, but bougie at the same time, like very aspirational. She's, you know, really into fashion and, and wellness and, you know, rode the wave from she's been doing this for quite some time like I think over a decade at this point um so basically what happened with her is that um she I guess I don't I'm I'm not familiar with her backstory I just kind of caught the wave when she was getting in trouble which I'm I'm want to do um is that apparently she's known for being kind of a uh uh hypochondriac uh so there's a lady named Sophie Ross on Twitter. If you want to go through this, it's at Soph Ross with, um, how many? One, two, three, four S's. Um, so she is chronicling this Ariel Tarnas situation. So basically, um, in mid-March, she, Ariel, posted about feeling sick. A lot of people were like kind of siding her from the beginning because she's kind of uh, hypochondriac. So... Then she calls a doctor and was able to get both a flu test and a COVID-19 test in her car. Now that obviously speaks to a lot of privilege because at the time, and even now, like the access to these tests are like seem seemingly to be skewing towards like the wealthy and the well-known people who were able to get these tests easily will while, you know, us normal people, middle-class people, or, or, you know, <clears throat> less fortunate people are, um, not able to get access to these tests. So imagine like in mid-March to be, to be able to get access to a test and, and to have it, a doctor come out to your car to take the test really speaks to a world of privilege, right? So <clears throat> she filmed this on her Instagram and she, you know, people were very upset of the fact that she, it was like, you know, like using her privilege to get access to the test. I'm going to cough. Hold on one second. Okay. We're back. So yeah, she, a bunch of articles came out about, um, how the fact that she was able to get this test and to, you know, not even be able to get it, not even have to go into the doctor's office. Like they went straight to her car. Um, so then she posts about like, you know, it, it's been a few days since I've been feeling sick, but like, you know, like I don't really want to talk about it and yada, 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 which is, is very weird. So then the test comes back positive <clears throat> and she got her test back pretty quickly, it seems. So, you know, she's already getting in trouble for this, right? Then she's posting pictures cuddling with her children, you know, the nanny's there, her husband's there, which is like, okay, you know now that you've tested positive, so why are you touching your children? Why are you not self-isolating? Why are you exposing your nanny to this when she could just go home, right? <sighs> okay, so then she says that her husband also got sick and that he, you know, Long story short, he also tested positive. And the nanny also tested positive. So 
then people are finding receipts of her having gone to like one of her daughters had a birthday party at the I think the Museum of Ice Cream and you know that was potential exposure to um you know lots of kids children obviously all their parents all the people that work there um her other family members were there and they noticed that um her sister had moved to an apartment um did not tell the movers like that she had potentially been exposed to this. Um, there was a lot of behavior. Okay. So then the crux of it is Ariel and her family end up going to the Hamptons, which as we know, like I told you before with Kristen and with, um, Caroline to, to move to a place, you know, where, you know, the Hamptons is a very small town and, you know, there are limited resources and people, you know, it's a tourist town. Even if people have houses there, they're not really going there except for like, you know, maybe on the holidays or definitely over the summer. Right. So on the off seasons, like it's a small town. So the, you know, the issue with traveling is not only like potentially exposing all of these people. It's the fact that like the hospitals and the resources that are available to the, you know, the people that actually live there year round are limited compared to living in New York, especially, you know, when New York is such a hot spot for the coronavirus. So people, you know, obviously had a lot of issue with her going to the Hamptons. Um, people saw her nanny in the background of her in the Hamptons, um, uh, her videos while she was in the Hamptons and to say like to go from being like oh I feel sick oh I was able to get this test really easily and get my results back very quickly oh I have this nanny that I gave it to the nanny I exposed all these people to it but then say like oh I don't want to talk about it and then post pictures of you like you know with your daughters in your arms you know potentially exposing them so, and then her husband got in trouble for saying things like only hot people get the virus and for like the nurses that were commenting on her, uh, Instagram about how irresponsible she's being. He was like DMing them and like telling them like, oh, you went to Cornell. That's like a, like a, um, a safety school like just being like really shitty and like, like cyberbullying people basically for like having legitimate concerns and especially medical professionals to like basically be like oh you're gross like fuck you basically really really tone deaf and you know just like really aggressive like really poorly handling the situation so they turned off their Instagram comments, they deleted a bunch of stories, and then Ariel came out with an Instagram apology, which is my favorite thing, you know? <laughs> and here's why. Because I hope I hope somebody screenshot or screen recorded this because it's so funny to me. So then <laughs> she posts this uh, apology that like starts off with her voice really wobbly and then she goes into a full sob and I'm so sorry for all the people that I hurt and then the next story is her completely talking normally like <laughs> it's so funny it's so funny to me there's nothing I love more than an iOS press release apology on Instagram I'm gonna take a you know a video of me crying apology like these are the moments that I live for in times of COVID and in not. Um, so that's what, what else do I have to talk about? Oh, okay. So then 
here's another suggestion for you guys. Um, okay, no, no more suggestions, but I just wanted to talk about one more thing. Carlton from Love is Blind. This man is unwell and he needs to chill out. And he is the quintessential example of a man who just does not know how to read the room. So as we all know, Carlton is infamous for being one of the lesser liked, uh, cast members from the show, right? So he, you know, got into this relationship, got engaged with Diamond. It fell apart very quickly on their honeymoon, not honeymoon, their like post-engagement vacation. Um, By getting this fight, he called her a bitch. He, you know, had admitted that he was bisexual and just really kind of acted very poorly about the whole situation, was like really overly defensive and combative about it. And so they ended up, he and Diamond ended up breaking up, um, like the, I mean, I think the second day into their trip. So, you know, they, they had a reunion and in the reunion, during the reunion, Carlton, got a lot of sympathy for me and empathy because he was talking about like how much he had been bullied about being bisexual by watchers of the show and how much it had really messed with his mental health. And he, you know, was like, seemed to really be going through it. However, he kind of lost the favor with me and a lot of people by kind of like coercing Diamond into this sort of like reconciliation, if you want to call it that. Now we as women, have all dealt with this. I think we've all been in this position where a man makes us feel uncomfortable and we decide to, you know, there's a choice that we make. Do we tell the truth or do we just comply and be nice and polite for the sake of getting out of the situation because we don't know how the man is going to react, right? So it was very clear that, you know, when Carlton apologized to Diamond, She accepted the apology, but she also said, and she made it very clear that like she had no interest in, in getting back together and and reconciling because he had called her a bitch. He had done these things and said these things, awful things to her. That was like, this is a deal breaker for me. Like I accept your apology, but this is a deal breaker. But Carlton took it way too far by getting down on one knee with the engagement ring that he had given her initially, putting it back on her ring finger, saying like, I want to start things over. Now, you could tell that Diamond was very uncomfortable, but she was complying for the sake of, you know, just ending the situation. Come to find out, after the reunion, Diamond blocked Carlton on Instagram. So, he has come out and said that, he still wants to get back together with her, even though he knows she blocked her. And this is where I have a problem with men. Read the room. Any woman who, who saw that reunion saw the look on Diamond's face of like, ugh, you could tell that she was just mortified, but just being nice for the sake of being nice. Right. And so for, if he didn't pick up on that, <laughs> How did he not pick up on the fact that, okay, she said it to him. You would see how uncomfortable she was in the reunion. She blocked you on Instagram. So now why are you going out publicly saying that you want to get back together with her? Great. But she doesn't want to get back together with you. And for you to make this public pronouncement is like really like shitty and manipulative. He 
you know, because now I'm sure people are probably writing her, tweeting her, writing, leaving comments on her Instagram, like, oh, you should be nice to Carlton, like, I wish you guys would get back together, blah, 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 and it puts her, like, in a really shitty situation, I think. So now he has come out and said, I guess now that has not worked, so he has now come out and said that he wants to be on season two of Love is Blind. Now, first of all, from a logistical standpoint, that doesn't make sense, because he, um, you know, the Love is Blind was location-based. So for season one was in Atlanta. So presumably they're going to be going to a different city. So logistically, it doesn't make sense. Secondly, bruh, you don't deserve another chance on this show because you have proven time and time again that you don't know how to handle being in a relationship. You don't know how to be mature. You don't know how to read the room and you know, like if I were in, if I were on season two and I saw and I heard the name Carlton, I'd be like, "Are you Carlton from season one?" Because not interested. No, thank you. Hard pass. Hardest of passes. <laughs> so, fuck you to Carlton. I think he needs therapy. He said he was getting therapy, but it ain't working for me because you're not understanding that like you really need to heal yourself before you get into a relationship. Okay. Um, so that's it for everyone's business with Rona. Um, second on the list is I wanted to thank you guys so much for all the people that signed up for my Patreon. It was, I, I'm like truly like overwhelmed that people are, you know, spending their hard earned money to support me in this time. You guys, I am technically an essential worker because I work in animal services. I have a pet sitting business you know, but my business is really reliant on people traveling and being out of town. So, you know, things aren't looking too great for your girl right now. Okay. So I really appreciate the fact that people are, you know, able to, and willing to, you know, see potential in me that they actually want to like pay to hear me listen to pay to hear me talk. It's, it's incredibly humbling to me. So thank you guys for anybody who signed up. Like, please don't feel bad if you can't afford it. Like I totally, totally get it. No skin off my bones. But for the, those of you that are interested and haven't heard about it yet, I am, and it started last week. Um, I just did a mini, kind of mini episode last week, but it'll be uh, bigger episodes, longer episodes, and I will um, be having guests on. Um, so what I'm doing is um, discussing the 2014 own series all about Lindsay Lohan, the eight-part series. So... Um, you can find the series for those of you who want to watch it. It's on, uh, I think most of the episodes, episodes two through seven, at least are on YouTube. Um, so yeah, so I'll be talking about that every, the episodes come out every Wednesday. Um, you can find that at patreon.com slash EBBM podcast. So it's $5 a month for the weekly episodes. Or if you just want to like be nice and throw a dollar my way just to, you know, keep things going, keep the lights on, so to speak. Um, you know, that, that option is available to you too. If you are not able to do this or you don't want to, but you still like me or listen to me and enjoy even parts of my podcast and you are, uh, an Apple podcast user. If you want to give me a five-star review, that is really, it really goes a long way in terms of like exposure. Um, and yeah, that, that is also very helpful. So if you can do any of those three things, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you don't want to do any of those and still listen, Hey, 
that's that's great too because i love the attention okay um so yeah from the bottom of my heart i really really thank you to all of you guys who have subscribed and have supported and even just listening is support and and i love that so thank you guys um with that i'm going to be doing a married at first sight recap from last week so let's get on with that and yeah I'm having a total brain fart. <laughs> bye. I'm just going to leave. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye. Oh, we're almost finished with this season of Married at First Sight. And to be honest, I love it. I'm grateful. <laughs> um, this episode was called Forever or Never. We start off um, just at the tail end of the couple's retreat. And there are seven days left until decision day. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Taylor and Mika are talking and Taylor actually reveals that she and Michael had a heart to heart and about both Brandon and Mika and basically Michael told her how much Brandon really cares about her but he has a poor way of showing it and that you know his job his work has been really on him about filming and that that's been a really big issue um so Taylor also reveals that Brandon Excuse me. Yeah, the Brandon told her that he doesn't want to film anymore, but he does want to have a talk with her off camera. Um, and then Taylor goes on to say that Michael told her that both he and Brandon need to work on their relationships and that, you know, that he actually, that Michael really cares about Mika. And Mika, you know, rightfully says, you know, that she and Michael need to have that conversation because she always hears from everybody else how much he cares about her. And, but like, he doesn't even say that to her nor follow it up with any sort of action. Um, Katie and Derek end up leaving first, but the rest of the couples are like having a little quick breakfast before they all go. Um, once, as soon as Mika enters the kitchen, Michael leaves and Mika clocks it immediately. She goes to Taylor and says, you notice every time I walk into a room, he leaves straight away. Michael's basically like gone into complete silent mode, just like Brandon was doing. He ends up leaving, um, and doesn't even get to say goodbye to anybody. It seems. And he's just like really being, you know, Michael weird. <sighs> so Katie and Derek leave and, on the way out, they see a turtle, which Katie wants to save. Now, Katie says that this is, like, kind of a way to, um, you know, uh, you know, tap into her inner child that she feels like she has lost over the years. And, 
what's his name? Derek is actually really loving it. He's saying like, oh, this is like actually really kind of a turn on for me that she's doing this. And so like, this is like a bonding moment for the both of them, right? Um, spoiler alert, they end up realizing that they can't keep the turtle <laughs> because it requires that that sort of turtle needs to live in its natural habitat. So they ended up putting it back in the lake or in a random lake that they ended up driving. They named the turtle Cal after Pastor Cal, which seems like shade, you know, if anybody's seen Pastor Cal, uh, yeah, it seems like a pointed, a pointed insult, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, so the good the couples end up going on like a little date on their way out after the retreat. So Mika and Michael go to an apple orchard. They also like take a hayride to the orchard. They end up sitting like three feet apart from each other. They're not making any sort of eye contact. Michael's not talking. Once they get to the orchard, Mika's like trying to make conversation like, oh, this, this kind of apple, like this, you know, Granny Smith is my favorite kind of apple, but he's like literally not even acting like she's there. He's just picking the apples. Like he's alone. Like he's not making eye contact with, he's not speaking to her. They go and have a picnic and the sandwiches are two different types of sandwiches. And he doesn't even like ask her like what she wants or if she would prefer to have this sandwich. He just takes his own. He's not even sitting on the, the, um, the blanket he's like just literally like acting like she's invisible or something and you know she makes a point and is like hey it really you know it's like you're doing everything that you can to show me that you don't care about me and you need to just be honest and let me know if that's the case so that we can be on the same page and Michael really doesn't say anything. So they're driving home. Michael's got his AirPods in his ears, like truly like acting like Brandon in every way possible. But then he does break the ice and he says, you know, um, it seems like the weekend didn't go the way either of us wanted. And she's like, yeah, she's like, basically it seems like you're checked out of the relationship, Michael. And you tell other people what you think sounds good and what you think is like what makes you look good in terms of us. But, um, it, you know, it doesn't really seem like you want to be in this relationship. You've barely spoken to me all weekend and you're sitting here with your headphones in your, in the car. Michael rolls his eyes, which she didn't see, which I would have like popped him in the mouth. <laughs> I wouldn't have, but <laughs> I would have wanted to. Um, he rolls his eyes and says like, you know, you're only, basically, you're only complaining because, like, I'm the one that's in a deficit because I lie all the goddamn, excuse me, I lie all the time. <laughs> um, but he's like, you know, basically, like, you're in a position, like, you're in the top banana position because I'm in a deficit because of all the things that I've done. And he, he was saying, he's like, but, you know, for the first five, five weeks of our relationship, I was the one who was really carrying the relationship. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm the one that's been carrying the relationship. And they kind of go back and forth about that. And because, like, you have no sense of accountability, which is, like, true. Katie and Derek go to a vineyard. And when they get there, an employee meets them at the front door and tells them, that, like, a tradition for newly married couples is that they will give them a lock that's engraved with their names and the date, their wedding date. And they give them two keys and they go out to this bridge, put the lock on the keys, like make a promise to each other and then throw the keys in the lake. Um, which is like kind of cute, except isn't that littering? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so they sit down to have a glass of wine and Katie's like, Oh, it's so pretty here. Like I would love to have like, 
excuse me, a second wedding. I'm getting bored talking about Katie. <laughs> I would love to have a second wedding. And Derek is like, oh, well, what's stopping us from doing that? Like, he's the best. He's so sweet and he's so cute. And like, he always says the things that you would want to hear, right? Like, he, it's just, he, I just love Derek. <laughs> but of course, Katie's like, she's looking annoyed. And she's like, well, I'm not sure yet. And Katie says like, oh, you know, we've, we've had a rough patch, a bit of a rough patch, but like, I'm feeling better about where we're at because we were able to hash things out this weekend. Whereas like we, what we had been doing is sort of like keep sweeping things under the rug. Um, but then they kind of talk about decision day and Derek is like, well, I hope you say yes. Um, and he's got these like big puppy dog eyes and Katie's like, well, I guess you'll find out. <laughs> monster she really deserves to be with Michael because you know what they're both miserable and that's what Katie wants like Katie wants an asshole she wants somebody to be mean to her and she wants a guy to like be an alpha but like in a in like a shitty way like she it, it seems like she wants to be treated poorly and I don't get that like I get it to a certain degree of like you know, like, women tend to want the bad boys and, like, the nice guys are kind of, like, boring in the way that, like, men, like, the quote-unquote crazy girls, but they don't end up, you know, wanting the nice girls. Um, but it's, like, you're in this relationship and, like, she is a mental health professional and she works with children and I just, like, I'm not understanding how, I'll, I'll, I'll table that and I'll come back to that later. Um, so then they go to the lock bridge and Derek's like, oh, well, what promises do you want to make to each other? His suggestions are to never give up on each other, which Katie replies, ooh, that's a rough one. <laughs> and then he was like, okay, well, what about to always be a team? And she's like, well, I can't promise that. <sighs> and she's like, well, what if we just make a promise to always be happy? Like, individually. <laughs> she's like, well, because basically she's saying, like, I can't promise that I'm I'm going to be saying yes. I can't promise that we're going to be together forever. But we should just promise that, like, whatever we do, we as individuals are always going to be happy, whether they're, we're together or not. So he agrees to that. He should have just pushed her into the lake, to be honest. <laughs> he agrees to that, and they, they um throw their keys into the lake. So back at the apartment, Mika says that like, you know, I want to feel sensitive to the fact that your uncle passed, but like kind of, I don't, you know, we were on this couple's retreat and I don't feel like you were treating me like a husband. And I feel like you do these things to get a rise out of me. Um, and he apologized for that, but he says like, you know, I was really going through it with term in terms of my you know, the death in the family. And I feel like you really were being insensitive, uh, to that. And Mika does say like, she will try to be more sensitive to him, but also like, it, basically like he's keeps saying like, I'm pulling away and I was being a jerk and being quiet at the, um, couples retreat because of the way you, your reaction to, um, to my uncle's passing. Like you basically were, like had like no emotion towards that. And Mika's trying to say like, I understand that and I will be more sensitive to that. But on the other hand, we are in a relationship and we're trying to make it work and you're not doing the work to make our relationship work. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely see both sides on this for once. Like I understand Michael's point, like, and I understand like, 
if you're feeling like I was in a vulnerable, vulnerable position and you weren't sensitive to that, like that is affecting how I am treating our relationship. And Mika's saying like, well, it shouldn't affect that. Like, because separate of what's going on in your life, personally, we have a relationship that we need to nurture. Um, and you know, Mika did not deny, and we know that she would have, like if she had been sensitive to him and been there for him in his time of need. And he was saying that she wasn't, I think she would have said, you know, I actually did try to comfort you. I did try to do this, that, and the third, and you just weren't receptive to that. But she actually did admit like, you know, yeah, I kind of was being insensitive. Um, and Michael says like that Mika fails to see kind of like the significance of his feelings and, and the true emotion behind it. And Mika again, apologizes for that. Um, so then at this part in the episode, everybody meets individually with like their friends or family to discuss like what, where their head is at in terms of decision day and like potentially get advice and feedback from the friends. So it starts with Taylor and Taylor meets up with a, a few of her friends and she tells them that like they're still sleeping in separate bedrooms and one day she woke up and the producers were there and Brand they basically told Taylor that Brandon was demanding an apology from the executive producers um, and that if he did not get it that he didn't want to film anymore. So he's not filming anymore. <laughs> so her friends are all like... Taylor, this dude is a child. I don't know why you are still continuing to like try to nurture this relationship. Um, but Taylor tells them like that she spoke to Brandon and that basically he feels like production is pitting them against each other and that he wants to try and see where this relationship goes away from the cameras. Like he's not interested in filming anymore, but he does want to still talk continue talking to her and they her friends are like not feeling at all they really want her to break up with him but what are they gonna do because she's like you know I just want to really take this you know I want to see where this goes I want to I don't want to have any regrets and look back and think like what about what could have been so that's the end of Taylor. Austin has drinks with his friend Paul and he basically says that like things are going really well and the weeks have flown by. He really likes Jessica um, and there's really nothing big, you know, in terms of like possibly saying no or issues within the relationship. But he basically didn't realize that Jessica was unclear about his job and the fact that he would be traveling. So they had this conversation on camera before. And Austin said, you know, like, I will have to travel. I will have to travel sometimes for long stretches of time. But it seemed like Jessica was not clear that, like, how frequently he would be traveling. And Austin's starting to get annoyed with, like, having to have this conversation. He also tells his friend Paul, like, he was surprised that she said... I love you because it, it sounds like what he said is that they were kind of like on the same page about that. He felt and you know, about not rushing things. And like, he had been clear, like they had had conversations. We've saw, we've seen it before, like where she has brought up the subject, you know, prior to her saying like, just flat out saying, I love you, that she has broached the subject with him. And he was like, you know, he said very clearly, like, you know, I just need 
it to be the right time. I don't want to rush things. And Paul's like, well, why didn't you say I love you back? And Austin says, like, he did feel that emotion in the moment, but, like, he basically just needs to say it on his own time and, like, basically kind of, like, times, there have been times in the past where he has said it to uh, an ex and things kind of ended shortly after that. So he really kind of, like, is playing his cards a little close closer to the chest these days, basically. Um, and then he says, you know, like, I, I worry about the fact that she might love me just because I'm nice to her and that like basically he kind of says like you know it sounds like what he wants to say is that like I fear that she's getting caught up in the intensity of filming the intensity of our relationship being so short-lived and like that we're doing all these things very quickly and maybe she's just kind of like saying I love you because he's being nice and he's being compliant and like they like each other but it seems to me like he's like waiting for like real life to set in for her to figure out like if she actually really loves him for him or she loves him because he's a nice guy um and then Paul tells producers like you know sometimes Austin can overthink things and you know there might never be the perfect moment to say that but I think like if you love somebody that there's always going to be a perfect time to say it, right? Like there, there's never going to be a wrong time for your partner to hear. I love you. If they love you back and that's what they want to hear, right? Like say, while well, you're shaking out the trash. Like it doesn't have to be some big bachelor style moment. Like, you know, any time is going to be the perfect time to say that when you're in love. Right. Um, so then we get to Michael and he's meeting with his sister, LaTanya, who we saw earlier. Um, she had dinner with Mika where Mika like kind of revealed that Michael's a liar. Um, so they have dinner and, she, you know, she brings up the fact that like, oh, you know, Mika did tell me that you were having issues with telling the truth. And like, can you tell me what all of that's about? Um, and Michael says, you know, like there were times where he wasn't honest and basically like Tanya is his like sis like adopted sister in a way like that's his technically his cousin but they you know they lived as like brother and sister um and basically says like she gives him advice which I think is really good and saying like you know if you're in a position to where like you're not feeling comfortable with opening up to her on certain things the better thing to do is instead of lying to tell the truth of like, I'm not comfortable telling you this and that could open up another dialogue and you can have like, you can be closer by like having that conversation, but being on, being dishonest is only going to make your relationship worse. Like it's never going to end up in your favor. Right. So uh, Michael also tells Tanya that like he wasn't aware of how much his effect or how much of his past was affecting his current life and that he's really noticing how this process is really triggering for him. Um, 
And yeah, so that's basically the end of that. Um, Derek meets up with his dad and his sister, Nicole, and he's like feeling really good about the future. Um, he says that he and Katie both want to get their masters and that they've been planning trips after filming and, you know, it's like he feels like they're really trying to plan a future with each other. And he really wants to make it work and he's ready to like make that leap of faith and say yes at decision day. Um, so his dad asks him like, well, okay, well, that's great. But like, do you have anything that make might make you want to say no? And Derek says like that they have clashed at times and that sometimes Katie can be a little too abrasive and that they have had arguments. And <clears throat> he says, you know, like, even though we have arguments and we can you know like I feel like we make progress after these arguments that I don't really want to make a precedent out of our relationship like our only growth being through us fighting which I think is a very mature astute observation to make like you know like I I don't want this to be our thing right so um then he you know he brought up like you know, the fact that like he's got all these dreams and that Katie, he feels like Katie doesn't really want him to achieve those dreams, which was, I mean, his sister and his mom, his dad both kind of like side-eyed that situation. And his dad, you know, gave him great advice and says, you know, I've been in relationships and I find that the ones that fail the quickest are the ones where you have expectations and you assume that you're going to change the person rather than accepting them for who they are and who they are completely like so if she is not accepting of the fact that you have dreams that you want to accomplish like and she wants to change that part of you that's an issue um Jessica meets up with her twin sister Jennifer um Jessica basically feels like she, you know, she's like, I feel really comfortable in this relationship and I feel safe and protected. And honestly, like, I can't imagine being without him. But um, Jennifer's like, well, what are the red flags? And Jess is like, well, there really are like yellow flags, not really red flags. And she brings up the fact that she found out that the following month that Austin is going to be gone out of town for work every week. And it's basically going to be the equivalent of him being gone half of the month. And she says, you know, that also he hasn't said I love you back and she's would probably feel some type of way if he did not say that on decision day. And, um, you know, she understands that he says that he needed time, but basically it's kind of like, uh, you know, like the elephant in the room and she doesn't really understand why he hasn't said it when he's been clear about the fact that he does have the feelings but why aren't you expressing those? Um, so that was the end of Jessica. Mika meets up with her mom and she basically says that she feels like in terms of like her behavior, that her biggest weakness in the relationship is that she responds with anger to Michael's poor behavior and that she could work on being a little bit more calm, calmer in her approach. And we see this happen later. Mika says that, like, you know, she was all in on this experiment and she was so focused on, like, the potential of all the good things that could happen that she wasn't really prepared for it potentially being a nightmare. And her mom's like, well, is it a nightmare? She's like, no, no, it's not. And I'm like, yeah, it is, girl. <laughs> um, 
Mika does say, you know, that our relationship is far from perfect. And, you know, it seems like she hasn't really told her mom the full extent of what it is that Michael's being dishonest about. She's like, you know, I, I did tell you, like, you know, he tells, like, you know, he's not been fully transparent with me about this, that, and the other. Um, and that he really hasn't taken accountability for that on top of it. And, you know, like, she's realizing that it's more than just little white lies that he's telling. Yeah. <laughs> like, starting with that forged document about his salary, right? Um, her mom says, like, you know, I really like Michael, and I think that he has got, like, great core values, and I plan on supporting their relationship if they say, say decide to stay together. Um, but she says, you know, why do you think that Michael lies so much? And Nika says, you know, I think he's ultimately unhappy with himself and that is what he's working through, but she doesn't want to walk away with any sort of regrets. Same as Taylor. Like, I just want to see this through and know that I did everything that I could. Katie meets up with her father, Dante, who I love, and her stepmother, Kim. And I, you know, let me count the ways and all the way I love Dante, right? So Katie basically goes in immediately. And she says that things have been pretty bumpy and that she's at a place where she's not feeling very fulfilled with Derek and their relationship. And she tells them about the couple's retreat and how she got mad because, you know, uh, Derek dared to pay attention to another woman and she was upset because Taylor said uh, that Derek was a good guy and Katie's saying that she really doesn't feel special at all. <sighs> okay, girl. So Dante's already side-eyeing her like, what are you talking about, girl? And Katie says that there is a giant emotional disconnect between her and Derek and that Derek doesn't know how to fix it. Dante's like, well, men do take a little bit longer to mature and Katie's like no she's like Derek's a child you don't understand she's like I thought that I was going to be walking down the aisle to a 30 year old that maybe he, had, he would have a little gray in his beard but what I got was like this baby basically <laughs> and here's where I'm like time out and I, I've said this before I think like what what is happening behind the scenes that we're not seeing with Derek because not even for a moment have we seen him act immature or have not been receptive to all of the complaints that she has about him, all of the criticisms that she has about him. You know, we always see him being like, have really a really positive attitude wanting to be there for her he's always receptive to the things that she says he always does tries to make it better all of his apologies seem very genuine and sincere and so like I'm just not getting what it is that is happening that she's claiming is so horrible about Derek what it is that he's not doing that is so unfulfilling to her and immature like I don't the only thing we're seeing is her acting immature. So like, I really don't, I don't understand it. But Dante's like, um, her dad is like, are you always this amped up? Because if I was dating you, I would be really scared. <laughs> like I would be really turned off by this behavior basically. And Dante tells 
the producer's like, you know, I thought that we were going to go to this dinner and I thought everything was going to be fine. And I really like Derek. And I think that like, he would be a great fit for our family and for Katie. And he's basically a little bit concerned about this and that Katie under needs to understand that she needs to be a little bit more flexible. Now, Katie does say like that Derek is quick to apologize and that he is a good person. And her dad is like, well, from what I've seen, like, he seems like the best dude that you've ever dated. And she's like, yeah, she's like, I, he, I know in his core that he's not malicious and that like, he is a good guy and a good person. Um, but I'm afraid this is Katie saying, I don't, I'm afraid that he doesn't know how to love me in a way that I need to. I'm like, he probably doesn't because you've only known each other for seven weeks. But like, that isn't necessarily a reason to break up with somebody, <laughs> you know, like, because they don't know the roadmap to your heart in seven weeks. I don't think it's like a strike against Derek, right? Like, that's just time that needs to be taken and I think there are a lot of good things that he's showing that like he wants to do the work and he does care about you and at seven weeks I think that's enough <laughs> you know I think that's good enough I think that's a great potential for your future anyway there are now two days left and this is going to be the last night that the couples spend together because they all sleep apart the night before decision day. <sighs> okay. So Mika and Michael go to dinner. All the couples go on dates, except for Brandon and Taylor. Mika and Michael are at dinner and Mika's like, well, she's like, I noticed that you seem to be home a little bit more often. Like is something going on with work? Like has your schedule changed in any way? Like what's going on now? Let's remember that. Michael is the director of, like, the after-school program, right? So, presumably, there shouldn't be any changes in your schedule because school is a certain amount of hours a day and, you know, you're only there after school or before school, right? Like, that's, that's like, a part-time job, right? So, there really shouldn't be any sort of flexibility in terms of his schedule. Um, so... Do you guys want to hear that? The bullshit train is heading onto the station right on schedule. Michael, if that's even his real name, says that he put in a two-week notice because there were a few discussions. We had a few meetings and discussions back and forth about the position and what we were going to be doing moving forward. And, the, you know, there were things that I needed. And since we couldn't come to an agreement on that, like I wasn't willing to stretch myself thin doing something that wasn't going to be best for me or the students. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Let's move back to when he said that he got this job because the principal job came through because what happened? There were a few meetings back and forth and they weren't able to meet my expectations. So I just dropped it. What he says about leaving his job now is exactly what he said about not being a principal anymore. The exact same thing. How is this possible? (laughs) How is this possible? And another thing I want to know is, did you put in the two-week notice two weeks ago? Or did you tell them that you were going to put your two weeks notice in and they told you not to bother? Because both of those options are sketchy. Either you knew two weeks ago that you weren't going to have this job and you said nothing (laughs) or you got dropped and that's, you know, another conversation to be had about why, right? Right? (laughs) Okay. So, um, you know, I could tell by Mika's face that she was fighting hard to not pop off on him. But she, like she said, I'm going to try to have, be more calm in my approach. And she says, you know, I agree that you shouldn't stay in a situation and a job that you're not unhappy, that you're not happy with. But this is now the third job in the seven weeks that we, I've known you. And it really concerns me in terms, in terms of stability for our future. That was the most diplomatic thing she could have possibly said. Um, so Mika's also brings up another great point. She's like, I kind of feel like if I hadn't brought up the fact that I noticed that you were home more, that you wouldn't have told me that you would quit your job and that I would have walked into decision day thinking that you had a job when you really didn't. And she's like, when are, when is the point that you're going to be comfortable telling me these things? And to be honest, because it feels like it's starting to feel personal. And I, I'm wondering if you're not being honest with me because you just don't like me that much. And Michael tells her, like, I always wanted to be with you. And that even when we were like at our lowest, like I still always wanted to make this work. And that like, I understand that my actions don't show that. And I hope that there is enough good stuff that you've seen for me to, you know, from me to want to continue to stay in this relationship. (sighs) Mika, they start playing this like sentimental music. Like they're just some sort of great breakthrough, even though I feel like he's been saying all this every time he gets caught in a lie, he keeps saying the same thing, whatever. Mika says that she's happy that he's acknowledging this and that he wants to move forward. And Mika actually says that this night is really special. But I feel like she just let him get away with a lie. Like, she's really not holding him accountable for, you know, like, what, okay, do you have a plan for what you're going to do? Do you have a job lined up? Like, 
what's the deal? Are you just unemployed at this point? Like, why? You know, I feel like she really just let him get away with something and something major. Um, so then they go to bed together and Michael asks, like, how would you grade yourself in this relationship? And Mika says she would give herself a B and Michael said that he would give himself a C plus. <laughs> okay. Um, Mika says that the past couple days have been good, but he needs to be open, honest, and vulnerable moving forward. I would say Mika's like in bed. She's not wearing a stitch of makeup. Her skin is flawless and she looks gorgeous. Ugh, but I digress. Um, then Jessica and Austin, uh, have dinner and they talk about like, you know, I'm trying to wait for you to say I love you, but like, you know, so whenever you're ready, I'm, I'm ready when you are basically. And she brings up his work schedule again and Austin, this is the first time we really start to see him get like annoyed. He says, I don't, frankly, I don't really want to talk up. I don't want to bring up the travel stuff again. And, you know, like I don't say anything about the fact that your work schedule is a little wonky. Um, cause she's a nurse and I assume that she works nights or something. Um, it was like, you know, I never say anything about your work schedule and you know, this is my career. It was like, you knew that I had just recently changed my career and I'm not, going to be changing it again for you because it makes you uncomfortable and then he kind of like turns things around and Jessica's like you know I feel like you're being a little bit inconsiderate of my feelings regarding this and Austin's like I feel like you just don't like the career that I have and Jessica's like mm, time out like not once did I ever say that I don't like the career that you have that I don't support what you do and that's not the problem. She's like, the problem is the fact that like, you're going to be gone a lot. And then that brings up potential issues. And so, you know, things get kind of weird and awkward between them. And so they're in bed and Jessica is like, you know, I noticed you kind of shut down at dinner and Austin says, well, you know, you keep bringing up the fact that my job is an issue in our relationship and Jessica's like, well, I feel like you're kind of belittling how I'm feeling about this. Um, she's like, I never want you to feel that I am not supportive of your job or that your job is the issue. It's just something that like your schedule is the issue that we're going to have to overcome. And Austin kind of goes in, not to her, but like in a, you know, he does like a little interview with the cameras that they have. And he says, honestly, I think that Jessica has kind of a warped sense of like, uh, what a relationship is because she's a twin and that she's used to always being together. He's like, you know, she's like, she even makes me go to the bed at the same time as her. Like, I feel like we're always having to do things together. He's like, and I don't mind that, but it's also like, at what point are you going to give me a little bit of leeway with this? Um, Jessica's filming herself in the bathroom. She's like, I'm really confused that he's like trying to make it this situation into something that is not saying that like, I don't approve of your career. She's like, that's not the case. Um, she's like, it's really putting a bad taste in my mouth. The fact that he's like trying to make an argument out of this. Um, so that ends up with them. That's gotta be the, like the worst place that we've seen them in. And it's kind of unfortunate that it's happening on their last night together. <laughs> um, so Derek and Katie get fondue. 
and they are talking about like the high points of the relationship and they both agree that like their you know the wedding was a high point and their one month anniversary was a high point where he gave her like the pictures and he had asked like his her family members to like give pictures of her growing up and like he made that whole collage for her and um was like, you know, I consider your family my family and, you know, like, I really want to make this work. Um, so Derek also brings up a point. He says, you know, there are times that I've maybe not expressed my concerns about you and our relationship and the red flags that you put up for the sake of not rocking the boat. He's like, and to be honest with you, a red, one of your, my red flags with you is the fact that like, when you get stressed out, you can be really difficult to be around. And Katie's like, Hmm, well, that's really concerning. You would think that she would think the fact that I'm being off putting is concerning, (laughs) not the fact that he is turned off by this. But of course she's concerned that he is not trying to rock the boat with her. And she's like, well, you know what? I can be kind of bitchy and, you know, you really need to like step up to the plate and challenge me on that. Um, (laughs) Like, why? Like, if I'm at the point where I can openly admit that I act like a bitch, like a bitch is a strong word to describe yourself, right? So if I can say like, if Katie can admit the fact that she acts like a bitch and that her behavior is bitchy when she gets stressed out you would think that that would be a sign of being like, hey, maybe I should modify my behavior and find a better way to cope, right, Miss Mental Health Professional? Not, you need to step up to the plate and challenge me, and if you don't, basically you're a pussy. (laughs) Like, she's got it all backwards. Like, it's very weird that, like, every, every fault that she finds goes back to Derek having to do something and jump through hoops and step up to the plate and challenge her that that is something she finds attractive rather than like trying to compromise and note this man has finally admitted that like he finds your behavior that it makes him uncomfortable and that he didn't even want to tell you that (laughs) it should be a big red flag, red flag about your behavior. The fact that he didn't want to tell you and that he finds it really off putting should tell you that like you should change your behavior. Not that he needs to be doing all this extra work to meet you where you're at when you're acting like a psycho. Like that's not how it should work. Derek finally says what we've all been thinking, which is that Katie is basically searching for faults in him and the relationship and that, you know, that she might not really be into him that much. So then they go to bed and Katie is like, I need you to be emotionally naked with me and just be completely honest and to like not try to, you know, wrap things up in a pretty bow and say things in a pretty way. And Derek says, you know, I'm scared, but I think that we're better together than we are apart. And then he says, okay, well, I want you to be emotionally naked too. Like I want you to do the same. She's like, um, I feel better 
The past few weeks have been rough, but I feel good. Like, that's literally what she said. Now, you're demanding him to be emotionally honest, and you just said the most vague thing possible. <laughs> Things were bad, but now I feel good. Uh, I feel better. What do you feel better about? What? You know, she's so whack. Ugh. Really raw and honest there, Katie. Like, really, really kudos to you. <laughs> So then we end the the episode with uh, Taylor again. We have seen like, uh, you know, they've got like security footage or like surveillance in cameras in the apartments, the couple's apartments. So we see like clips of them, she and Brandon cuddling on the couch, watching TV, you know, being touchy feeling with each other, hugging, all that sort of thing. And we see Taylor go to bed alone. And she says, you know, this has been an emotional roller coaster and, you know, Brandon is not going to ever do anything that he wants to do. So like, I don't really know what the future holds, but she says, you know, like, honestly, I don't even know if he's going to show up to decision day because that would require him filming, but I don't want to get a divorce and I really want to make things work. So Taylor and her wig go to bed alone. And that was the end of Married at First Sight, y'all. I... You know, like, I always try to avoid spoilers. I did see one. I won't spill the tea on that. But I, I'm curious to see who says yes and who says no. I mean, I feel like Jessica and Austin are pretty much a sure thing. I think Brandon and Taylor will say yes. I think Katie and Derek will say yes. Although, honestly, I feel I wish that Derek would say no. Um... I did see the preview. It said that Brandon or not Brandon, Mindy and Zach are coming back and they're going to be talking about that. So I'm interested in seeing what happens there. And honestly, I hope Mika says no. I don't think she's going to, but I really hope she does. All right, you guys, you have a great week. Um, I will be back later in the week with a guest to talk about 90 day fiance. So check that out. And yeah, for my Patreon subscribers, I will be the new episode for episode, the recap for episode two will be out Wednesday. You guys have a great week and I will check you guys later.